guiding your brand to greatness. Welcome to the Brand Shepherd Podcast. So I have a question for you. When I say PR, what comes to mind? What goes through your head when the conversation or the topic of PR, public relations, comes up? Do you think that it's just for kind of bigger brands? Do you think that it's strictly for, I don't know, getting people onto traditional media, maybe TV, broadcast TV at that? Kind of what goes through your head when we talk about PR? Well, today we're going to talk to one of the leading experts in PR. Her name is Julie Simon. She's the senior vice president of a company called Orca Communications. And uh, they are, quote, America's PR firm for inventors and entrepreneurs. Now, I know Orca because we have uh, sent a little bit of work back and forth to each other because they are all about product people the way that Brand Shepherd is all about product people. And so in kind of going back and forth and talking, I realized that we have so much in common and we are working towards the same goal so often that it made sense to have Julie on the podcast to talk about public relations in a general way at first. Hopefully this is going to be the first of a few episodes with her because she has a wealth of information about PR as it relates to product brands. So in this first episode, we're going to cover a wide variety of topics, but I want you to be thinking about what is PR's role right now? And let's think about the context for a minute. We have almost a full year of Apple's default nofollow setting being implemented onto iOS, and then the ripple effects that has had on Facebook targeting. The Facebook targeting uh, aftermath has just sent ripple effects, negative ripple effects, so much so that companies are having to lay off uh, staff because they can't sell their, their products to the degree they used to. You have Googles waffling back and forth, back and forth about cookies and no cookies. And, and now there's even, as I record this today, there's a bill in the United States Congress that made, may force Google to have to break up their advertising business. I mean, it is, it is no man's land out there. Things are crazy. And I have a hunch that public relations is about to have another golden era because of what it offers and the evergreen effect that it has for brands and specifically product brands. So enjoy this conversation with Julie Simon from Orca PR. All right, Julie, thank you for joining me today. Uh, I was wondering, yeah, I'm wondering if you would just quickly introduce yourself, give us the gist of who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, my name is Julie Simon, and I am the Senior VP of Orca Communications PR. Mm-hmm. And I have been with them, oh my gosh, over 13 years. I thought it was going to be a quick. I thought it was going to be a two-year <laughs> stopover. Uh, but it's turned, I was laughing about that because I, I started when my oldest was eight weeks old and he's... 13 and a half now. And I thought, wow. Cool. Wow. <laughs> Funny how that happens. Uh, our, our business started as a, as a five-year plan, air quotes, and it quickly turned into a two-week plan yes. uh, in 2008. So we were- yeah, I say, how many years ago was that? Exactly. Yeah, that was, yeah, in 2008. So we, we had the five-year plan ready to go. And then we were on kind of the tip of the spear of the Great Recession there in 2008 in January, and it turned into a two-week plan. So, but- Happy about it. So it's good to good to meet a fellow long timer sticking to one one thing. Yeah, I, I think it's a sign that things you know went better than you expected. That's, that's how right. I, that's how I look at it. That's right. That's right. So talk to me about uh, 
what what is Orca's typical client? Who who are you serving? Yeah, it's an interesting. I mean, we certainly our sweet spot. I would say, Daniel, um, is I mean, our tagline is America's PR firm for inventors and entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. You'll see that at the bottom of my signature on any email. So, while through referrals and word of mouth and things like that, sometimes we branch off a little from that. Our core roster, our core client are really those inventors and entrepreneurs, those startup companies, those mm-hmm. small to medium size businesses. It's not that we have never had a Fortune 500 company on our roster, like we have, but that's our passion is really kind of helping catapult, you know, people with with an idea who mm. have this great invention, but they don't know how to get the word out about it. Yeah. Um, and I just think that when we were founded, we were really founded on that principle that PR should not just be for corporate America, mm. you know, not just be for the huge companies to monopolize all of the earned media space in the, yeah. editorial, in the editorial press. Um, and we were really one of the first doing that. We're actually celebrating our 20th anniversary. Um, Congrats. Yeah. I can't believe it. Uh, next month. So they, they were around for about seven years before I got, before I got here, but that's really our sweet spot is that, I mean, we've seen people, you know, go from working in their, have a day job and working in their basement, you know, on their passion Mm -hmm. project, uh, and then really be able to quit that day job (laughs) and then have a whole team of employees. And it's almost like we like catered to the shark tank demographic before shark tank even existed. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because when people think startups, I, at least in my in my niche, um, startups used to be of just like all tech, and then right. here in the last I don't know five eight years, it's been more inventions, and so it's kind of. But if you think even like pre tech bu- uh, bubble or pre tech pre let's say mobile device, startups were always related to some kind of small business or something out of a garage or a basement or something like that. So it's it's interesting to see it kind of come full circle. Yeah. And it's the true innovators, you know, it's truly the people. And that's why I think actually Shark Tank is so popular because Mm -hmm. so many of us sit on, you know, we have an idea and even if it's not our day job, um, we're just kind of, we we have this dream and this passion pursuit. And I think that when people take that next leap, it's, it's so exciting for us to, to witness. Yeah. I'd like to take a step back and uh, talk about PR in general, just to kind of set the table a little bit, because I think that I think because of the dominance of social media and influencers and things like that, that uh, that kind of marketing is easily understood or at least readily understood. Um, and <clears throat> sometimes PR can can sound like you know the expensive or the elite way, or like you said, like the monopoly, like the big co type of mm-hmm. type of thing. So. Frame it up for us. Where is where is PR fitting in in the economy of today? Yeah, it's funny because it's changed obviously over time, and so much has changed in my thirteen years. Um, you know, it used to be that I would kind of have to educate people on the difference between PR and advertising. Mm-hmm. But when they thought of advertising, they thought of it in terms of what they saw on TV, yeah. um, what they saw in a magazine. Um, an ad and even a print newspaper. And it's, we're just, you know, we're in the 2.0 and 3.0 versions of that now. Yes. When you're 
on your Instagram feed and you're going through stories of somebody you follow and it's hashtag sponsored, hashtag partner, hashtag ad. It's yeah. really the same yeah. thing as what we were talking about 13 years ago about advertising. You know, uh-huh. um, it's actually a little different though, because it used to be that, you know, you knew you were being advertised to during the commercial break of your, yes. first, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and now through FC, you know, through regulations and things, influencers have to, you know, they have to divulge, divulge that. Um, and look, there's, a, I always say, you know, I'm not here to knock any other type of marketing. Um, mm-hmm. I always say that we're one piece of the marketing pie. Mm-hmm. I think we're an important piece of the marketing pie and our clients think so too. Um, but yeah, you just have to think about how you absorb media, even yourself. I mean, for me, it takes a lot for me to buy something that I know I'm being advertised to. Hmm. Like when I know it's being paid, when Mm -hmm. I know influencer has, um, been paid to say Mm -hmm. these positive things about a product, um, it just carries so much less weight for me, Hmm. you know, because you just, it's not that inherent third party endorsement at all Yeah, uh, that I think that, that you get, you know, that you get with PR and it's less trackable. Um, and for numbers people and a lot of startup entrepreneurs are, you know, numbers people, it can be a little bit harder to wrap your head around because, you know, with just, you know, just with Facebook ads or sponsored influencer posts or, you know, click throughs. Yeah. It's just so track. It's so statistical, you know, statistic oriented. Yes. Um, and that is, you know, a challenge that we're certainly up against when we're talking about PR, because you have to be able to be okay with some of the intangibles benefits yes. that come from PR. Um, like one prime example. So let's, let's juxtapose the two, you know, okay. One, somebody might be using an influencer and paying an influencer for a sponsored Instagram story, and then they can track how many sales do we get from that particular code, you know, or what have Mm -hmm. you. And it's like, oh, this was a success or this was a failure, one or the other, nothing in the middle. Hmm. Whereas with PR, I mean, you might get a feature on, you know, latimes.com or in the Boston Globe, and then their digital counterpart or BuzzFeed or on the Today Show, which then also gets linked to today.com. And weeks or months down the road, people might be looking for a certain product, putting in certain keywords, you know, and then if your SEO is good, (laughs) coming up high, but then also seeing all those reviews, they're there, Mm -hmm. they live, you know, they live there and they, they help elevate, you know, obviously, you know, search returns. But I read a lot of those uh, when I'm, when I'm looking for something to buy, I read yeah. a lot of reviews. I want to know what's the best, you know, dry shampoo says this, you know, says mm-hmm. glamour.com or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yes, our clients re- often report seeing bumps, you know, we got them a feature in the New York times, we check in, they say, oh my gosh, it's been an amazing three days. And then eventually it tapers off. But I believe and I have anecdotal evidence, you know, I think to prove that weeks, months, and years down the road, that feature is still putting air <laughs> into yeah. the signals um, of that particular product. Yeah. And it seems like the, um, the, the bump that comes from PR and the evidence of PR in relation to a testimonial or review or an endorsement has a longer shelf life than, than a, uh, an influencer. Because, you know, just in the influencers I'm aware of for some of the niche products that I 
am a customer of and follow, uh, they, they tend to come and go. I'm thinking of one brand right now who has had, they're on their third influencer who kind of is the face of the brand and, um, you know, great, great people. All three have been fantastic to entertaining and informative, but I know that if I was looking for one of their products and I was searching around, if I saw, let's say the face of the second influencer, I would be like, Oh, that, that, that endorsement is however many years old, you know, three or four years old. Uh, whereas, um, if it had just the logo or something that just came from the organization itself, from the brand itself, that's doing the endorsement, um, that there's, it's kind of uh, evergreen in that way. Yeah. As we know, Instagram stories are gone in 24 hours, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's definitely dead and buried. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, after, after 24 hours. Um, so I think you're, I think you're absolutely correct about that, that it's just, it's so, um, just like, boom, 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 you know, yeah. then, then nothing, then, then that's it. You know, and the other thing is, I don't know about you, but when I'm scrolling, as soon as I see like a discount code or a, or a hashtag, you know, sponsored or spon- or ambassador, hashtag ambassador, like I just, I don't know, for the most part, I just keep, sl- I just keep scrolling. Yeah. Like I, I know they're trying to sell me, <laughs> I know they're trying to sell me something and I'm just really not interested, you know, I'm not interested. I mean, I'm more interested maybe in some organic content. I mean, where I think that it can work cohesively though. Sure. It's just, you know, there's, there's a statistic out there that you need like seven media impressions on a mm-hmm. brand before a consumer, unless, I mean, of course there's exceptions to the rule. If somebody happens to be in the market for, exactly what you're selling at the perfect time. But for the most part, you need somewhere between five and seven impressions for a consumer to be pushed, you know, to, to buy. And, um, I just think it'd be great. You know, if, if they do read Buzzfeed and see a review, an editorial review about the product yeah. and then following their influencer of choice, if, yeah. you know, if, a, if a budget allows for it and they get you that way, you know, and they see you in their Facebook ad, uh, in their face, in their Facebook feed. I mean, boom, boom, boom. You just made mm-hmm. three media impressions. That's right. right? But I, yeah. and I think they serve different purposes. I mean, I do firmly believe that people know that they are being advertised to mm-hmm. whereas PR is just that objective, um, like we believe in this product, our editorial board says this is a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just gives that validity that advertising just can never have. Yeah. But, but it's not attractable. Yeah. This comes up actually quite a bit, uh, or I should say has been coming up quite a bit in the last, I don't know, six to eight months. So like in the work that Brand Shepherd does, we work with tangible product brands and once we start working on a product and its packaging and presentation or production, it gets, let's say it gets off to production or off to press or something, we turn our attention to the landing pages and the website and kind of where people are going to land for that conversion of that sale. And uh, oftentimes what comes up is the review. People want to see reviews. And so we might send some products out to some customers or friends and family and stuff like that to start getting some, some words to put on there. And I'll tell you what, it's coming up more and more often of, Hey, do we have any logos we can put on here of places that have endorsed it or had something favorable to say about the product? This came up uh, a week and a half ago for a brand that we've worked with for a long time. And they, at first I had brought up PR as, as a thing that they should uh, invest more in. And at first they're like, no, 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 we're just only interested in organic, but then I'm not kidding. 10 minutes later into the meeting, 
someone raised the point, hey, do we have any logos? And I was like, guys. That's what you, I just said. Yeah. I, I just said that, you know, so. That's so funny. So, and we've had clients, Daniel, tell us, you know, a lot of people are like, am I going to see a, am I going to see a jump in sales from PR? And I always say, I mean, I, we're really above board. We want to sleep at night, ethical. And mm-hmm. the question always is like, we don't know because we've gotten clients on the today show and it's been so incredible that it's crashed their website mm. and they're out of inventory. Mm-hmm. And then we've had other clients say it was okay. Yeah, yeah. We saw, we saw a little bump. Like we always say we lead the horse to water, but we cannot make, we don't yes. exactly cannot, we cannot make the horse, the horse drink. Our job is to pre- you know, present you in a creative, timely uh, way to our media contacts um, to set you up for success. But well, I've had so well, some clients do say, "Am I going to see an increase in sales?" And we share with them the feedback we get from features that we don't ask for access, obviously, to our clients' financials. But after sure. a, after a big feature, we say, "How was that? What did you see? How did it perform? Mm-hmm. What was the conversion? You know, all that." But we've more and more are saying we're having clients say, "I'm I'm using you. I mean, I hope we get sales. Great, but my primary reason for engaging you is that I need to be able to have." as seen in, as seen on recognizable logos mm-hmm. on our landing page, on our website. We need it. We're struggling for, you know, sometimes for content for our social platforms. And we're going to turn any media feature you get us into social media ad collateral. Mm-hmm. And I love that. To me, that's such an extra way to leverage the press mm-hmm. that we get for our clients. Because it used to be, we got you a feature, you know, in the New York times. And it's like, well, I hope the person who needed that product has a subscription to the New York times. I hope <laughs> yeah. that they were reading it that day. Yeah. I hope that they, you know, all of it just aligned. Well, now you get a feature anywhere of note and you can just turn it into a social ad and mm-hmm. it looks organic and it is, you earned it, you yes. earned the feature, but it gives it more tentacles mm-hmm. to get the people than just the people who are reading that particular media outlet that day. And, um, I think it carries weight. I mean, look, I, I wonder, you know, of your, you know, people you work with, a lot of ours go to trade shows. Um, Mm -hmm. they're coming back now post COVID. They've been dormant for a while, but you know, the good booths have press displayed, uh, their booths. So that when that buyer approaches that booth, they're even if they're acting unimpressed, a lot, as a lot of buyers do, <laughs> um, it's still subliminally getting into them. Sure, that, you know maybe Oprah or whoever said these great glowing things about your product. Because mm-hmm. I always say, you know, if you've gone ahead and created somewhat of a demand for your product through media coverage and gotten them talking about you, why wouldn't a buyer carry you know carry mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. A lot of times too, yeah, I don't know how many of your clients are like just e-commerce alone, but especially the brick and mortar ones, those buyers will say, what's the marketing plan here to move this product off the shelf? Mm-hmm. You have to, have a, you have to have a full breadth marketing plan. And that usually certainly is not just advertising. Right. And it, 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 the timing of this is really interesting, which is why I was eager to, to talk with you because in the last, um, I don't know, month or so, it's been fairly recent. I've read or heard from 
either uh, a batch of marketing directors inside brands or marketing gurus, kind of like the canary and the coal mine type people. And the message is clear. People, the thing I keep hearing over and over is Facebook's dead. People are leaving in droves. Uh, we've got Netflix subscribers leaving in droves. And Apple's no follow default setting has created this domino or this ripple effect. And it's getting harder and harder to reach your people through the social algorithms. Entire businesses have have struggled. I, I just read Netflix has had a, like 150 layoffs, unfortunately. And there are other brands that are having to really struggle for reach. I know of several brands whose sales have been severely hit by the uh, Apple oh. Ripple that then impacted Facebook's Pixel, their algorithm. And, and so reach is getting harder. And I was just observing yesterday how how funny it is to me that the solution to, to this problem is broadcast and, and getting out just um, a wide net of stuff, you know, just like the old days, you know, <laughs> broadcasting that. There's nothing new under the sun. Right, right. So I kind of got a, got a kick out of that. And I thought, well, okay, so if social is something we still have to do and we're going to have to lean on organic reach more than paid, let's say, because, you know, Facebook is losing people and it's just harder to find people with the algorithm then PR's moment in the sun is like here because it, ha- it this is your new way to reach people through through PR. But now it seems like it's PR seems better positioned now to help these brands reach their people than it maybe than I've ever than I've ever seen before. Um, I'm just curious if you're starting to see any of those waves too. Yeah, I, I certainly I certainly hope so. Um, but no, we've we've had people come to us for campaigns because of that whole iOS debacle Yeah, um, where the whole sales funnel was just based around that one. Yes. And I mean, people realize kind of how foolish that was. I I'm a little unclear as to why they would shoot themselves in the foot like that <laughs> with all these, you know, with all these brands who were spending so much, um, you know, money, on, money on it, but, but we'll take, you know, we'll take it. But yeah, that you certainly cannot be so single dimensional that when the, when just an algorithm change shift mm-hmm. can de- can decimate you like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, is you know, and broadcast means different things now. You know, back in the day, it used to mean three nightly news broadcasts. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Network TV. I mean, there's so many streaming services. You know, now and, and things mm-hmm. like that. Which, you know, shows to hopefully get on. But I even just notice reaching people through just even the digital counterparts of, I mean, newspapers are dying, but mm-hmm. not, not necessarily the digital version, you know, digital versions of them. Mm-hmm. I think is like when I am in a doctor's office now or something and I look around and, you know, people used to read magazines in the doctor's office. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody really does that anymore, but it's not that they're not absorbing content on their phones. You just sure. have to then get the content for your clients. Mm-hmm whatever they're consuming on their phones. Yeah. It's like you said, it's just, it's more tentacles to, to reach them wherever they're at. And I think that's, that's the big reality brands are facing right now is, Hey, uh, Apple kind of cut off the head of the dragon. Now, what are we going to do? Because that's really screwed over Facebook and meta and, and things like that. And so there has to be some other vehicle. It seems like PR would be a really attractive Thing right now. The other thing that I like about PR too is that uh, oftentimes it um, there's a there's a tendency in in the lexicon of brands and marketers and things like that to 
always, and I'm not saying it, it should never be the case, but I think we err on always confusing the words of branding and marketing. And they have a ton in common, but they really are different in that marketing is more actionable and branding is more about the heart of the thing. Yeah, and what I've always they're cousins, they're not brother and sister. Exactly. And and what I love about PR is that it it at least in my understanding and, and seeing it in action, it it does help reinforce more of the brand part of things because it, it tends to talk about what the product does. I had a great conversation yesterday with uh, a uh, a brand owner and we were talking about, you know, maybe the advertising has gotten a little bit off track and stuff like that. And I said, look, I'm not against marketing. I, it's great. I mean, that's what we do. It's, it's makes up a big portion of what we do for products. But I said, we can't, um, we can't get away from what the product does. That's not marketing. That's just saying what it does. You know, like I was using the example of miracle grow, you know, whatever you think about miracle grow, it's still a healthy injection of nitrogen into, into plants. That's just what it does, you know, and people buy it because of what it does. Now you can market that in different ways. You know, you want to go with five second, 15 vertical videos and whatever the, you know, marketing du jour is fine. But what it does, I think lends itself more to the PR story. Absolutely. I mean, when we get our clients, for example, on best new kitchen gadgets, you know, and then there's a segment on the Today Show where they walk through the pedestal of the products. I mean, they're always showing what it does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that's the that's the nuts and bolts of of at least product PR. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, some companies they have a product, but they also stand for something or they're mission driven. Sure. Or what have you. And they're interested maybe in some more long format pieces on the brand mm-hmm. um, it, in general. And we, d- we do plenty of that. It does tend to take a little bit longer to come to fruition than the product placement PR, which are really the nuts and bolts of what this gadget or gizmo, or if it's a healthy food item or tech product or whatever it is, what it, what it does. Yeah. But, um, but we work in both spheres for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as do we. I, I just like to make sure that I have that conversation with brand owners. Uh, I think in the heat of the moment, uh, those words can start being used interchangeably, marketing and branding and marketing and branding and going back and forth. And uh, it's good to just kind of tap the brakes every now and then and and say, now, let's not let's not confuse like what it does and versus, you know, how, how it makes you um, act or, you know, what, what we're asking people to do through, through marketing. And I, I just love the way PR lent itself to uh, reinforcing yeah. what the thing does. I was looking Daniel for this testimonial that I wanted to read you because we often ask our clients um, just to write feedback in mm. about what they're experiencing, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm particularly interested when they've tried other marketing avenues Ooh. and they're enjoying the PR. So this is one that has just always stayed with me. It's probably over a year old now, but um, it's a company out of the UK, pet product company. Mm. And he says, I come from a paid media background and I've always poured a lot of money into direct response ads on Facebook and Instagram. Recently, we decided to allocate some spend to PR with the help of Orca. We've been featured in a wide range of online and offline publications, websites, both big and small. And we've built not only a strong backlink profile, but also now have some pretty cool bragging rights to tell people (laughs) 
like getting that feature on HuffPost yeah. last week. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting as someone who comes from a paid media background. Yeah. He sees the value. Yeah, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. So um, I like to kind of conclude these these talks with the way for uh, for my guests to plug themselves. Uh, how would how would folks, if they wanted that kind of experience, how would they get in touch with you? Oh, well, check out our website for sure. Um, it's Orca Communications plural.com. You also can write in to info at, um, it's actually info at orcapr.com or me, Julie at orcapr.com. You, you can find us. <laughs> if you just put in orca communications PR, we're, uh, <laughs> we're a lot of us are former media people. Um, oh, okay. Not, not, it's interesting. Not everybody. Originally orca was kind of founded on this premise that people had to have media experience to work at Orca. Mm-hmm. We made exceptions over the years because pe- certain people have just been such rock stars that we couldn't not. So yeah. um, I'd say we're probably like maybe 70%, 30%. But my point about even telling you that is that we're very deadline oriented. So usually oh, good, good. within an hour, they've heard back from somebody because so many of us came up through the ranks working on deadlines. So things don't sit uh, for a while. But yeah, we would love to, you know, we always say, we are not that corporate and we pride ourselves on that. We also say we are scrappy and I hope people take that as a positive. You know, Mm -hmm. we are not your Madison Avenue glass, you know, floor to ceiling (laughs) (laughs) office building uh, PR firm. And we, that, that wouldn't fit, you know, with our, with our inventors and entrepreneurs, but we have something kind of for every budget. I mean, we have entry level things. We have, full board, you know, full service, multi-team member just working on your account and we'll create something. I mean, within reason, <laughs> within reason, we will, but, but we really, I think that we really fit a sweet spot where people have said to us, Oh my gosh, you know, we thought that you had to have $10,000 a month, you know, yeah. board PR. And I always say not at this firm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thanks for being on today. I really appreciate it. This has been an enlightening conversation. I'm sure it'll help a lot of brands out. I love it. All right. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Brand Shepherd Podcast. If you found this episode valuable to your brand, please consider subscribing and leaving a favorable review. Visit brandshepherd.com for more episodes or subscribe to the Brand Shepherd podcast on your favorite podcast app. That's all for this episode. See you next time.